Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika soft gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. This is The Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving. Now, in season two, The Cannamom Show continues on its mission to empower women-centric cannabis businesses by sharing their stories with you. Go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint. Sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's The Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. Ta-da, we are back. Can you believe we are like, just got a few more shows for season two. It's, it's been a season and we have the quilt giveaway should all have their prizes this week, Dave. All right. I know. Um, so my good friend. Is it, sad, is it sad to say goodbye to it? No, no, no. Because I know my quilt is going to a really good home because Allie's going to give it a great home in Canada. She's traveling. She's going international and I love to travel. So it's good for the quilt too. So the quilt has done more international traveling than pretty much anybody. The yeah, quilt so, has been way more places so, than me, yes, exactly. Cool. But this may not be the last. I know. Maybe the last we hear of the quilt because I just found out that there is a modern quilt guild. It's actually a thing. Quilters, we all go to guilds and we sit together and talk about our quilting. It's a true thing. But this modern one, <laughs> I know yeah. it's hard to believe I'm a cannabis, is hosting a show in February. And I am thinking of entering my quilts because I bet they do not have a bong for mom quilt or an amazing Technicolor cannabis quilt. I think you'll dominate those categories for sure. Yeah. All of Quilt Nation, be on notice. Here comes the the, the quilt of many colors and many bongs and sorry, whatever. <laughs> so changing the narrative, one can of story and one quilt at a time. So it's, it's like art. So if I actually, if they actually say what they want to be displayed, I have to get it back from Allie, but I'm sure she'd be willing to give it up like a piece of art and they'll display it and then we'll send it back. The Mona Lisa. Some Someday your quilt will be stolen from a high-end art house, right? I should be so lucky. Yes. I should be so lucky. Okay. Yes. And then this weekend, I watched this really great documentary, Mary Jane's Women in Weed. 
I spoke with the creator, Phil Wendy Borman. She interviewed Ganjapreneurs, women Ganjapreneurs, and she's starting a movement of puff or jets. That's mm. true. So it's a t-shirt. She actually asked her if they t-shirt. It might be the first new t-shirt in the, you know, next season's t-shirt quilt. And, you know, it's just, they were like, literally, it felt like I was talking to my, I was watching my friends up there, just these women, these amazing, strong women who are changing this world by involving themselves in the cannabis industry. It looks like you can find the film on Google Play, Apple TV, Vimeo, Voodoo. So, yeah. yeah. Anywhere you stream your favorite, whatever stream right. things that you watch. Like, mm-hmm. All right. I watch TV. I listen to the radio. All right. Mm-hmm. And then one last thing. We have a special guest today, my friend Jillian Johnson of Simply J Bookkeeping. She's going to share some smart insights on bookkeeping for cannabis businesses because we know, Dave, that everything in cannabis is special. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. So let's introduce today's guest. Today's guest is a CBD business leader in Texas and has beauty pageant pedigree. I've never had a beauty pageant pedigree person on a cannabis show yet. She is the presidential founder of Green Compass Global CBD and is a national educator, the founder of Indie Hem Company. Today's guest is a wife, a mom, a philanthropist, an entrepreneur, and she looks good doing all of it on social media. Please welcome to the Canna Mom Show, Molly's Ledvetter. Welcome. Hi. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I hardly ever hear the pageant (laughs) intro started, which was a total mistake. I was a singer growing up and my mom's like, well, why don't you do a pageant? It'll pay for college. And I'm like, okay, why not? And then I won. So, (laughs) You know, it's a thing. I have a musician, I have a creative. So you people are, you're born the way you are and however you get attention and you're awfully pretty. So it works. Before we get into this, Tell me, tell my listeners where you are and why I think this is so funny or so amazing, actually. Yeah, I'm in Houston, Texas in a town called the Woodlands. Texas is definitely not legal. And I've been here most of my life and I've still been pretty open about my cannabis use. I work with a lot of politicians, especially on the Republican side, and I am aiming to educate and reduce the stigma to cannabis. And I think I'm doing a damn good job of it. I think you are. And like, where are you like physically right now? What are you doing that I find is so funny? Yeah. Physically in a wedding venue, a wedding venue, my, a real wedding venue <laughs> with my Riley Husky. And we are here talking about CBD for weddings, for brides and bridal parties, and for just honestly bringing it into this type of industry that hasn't really been thought about. And then on top of that, looking at expanding when Texas, you know, changes the laws to increase cannabis events for weddings. So actually making cannabis themed weddings where we have edibles and smokables and all types of things. So Texas is probably going to be one of the last states to allow that, but I can't wait to be part of the beginning of it here when it does happen. And you're there because I did, I thought I got a little confused. So there is my friend, Vanessa Oliver, who has the cannabis wedding expo. And I went to one in Boston last year, but this is an actual, just regular mainstream old Money Expo, and they're like recognizing that CBD could be great gifts. So my absolutely in Texas, in Texas, Texas, right? And everyone's walked by and they're like, "Ooh, can I get it? Can I rub this on me? Can I have an edible?" And I'm like, "Absolutely." And we do have Delta Eight for a short time. Unfortunately, those things are going to change again in September. But we did just pass the house for our medical uh, cannabis expansion. I just got the email, and unfortunately, they're not including chronic pain. But we hope to see that change on the next session. So I just, you know, again, the politics of cannabis is really intriguing. And you're in Texas, and I have my friend Dory Wiley, who does the Half-Baked Housewives. We're actually doing a clubhouse room this afternoon. So we do talk, personally, we talk about the differences we see in our states. So you seem like you come from kind of classic Texas roots, and you're connected to politics. So 
I don't know. Let's just start there. How did you find yourself? I mean, often my stories are my lady friends, if they've been injured or something has happened and that's where they come from, or they have a child. So how did you find yourself in this world and why are you so passionate? I'm assuming you're passionate. You'll explain why you're so passionate. Absolutely. So when I was in junior high and high school, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder amongst a manic depression. I had PTSD from a childhood trauma event. And then I also um, was born with neurological issues. My dad uh, was a Vietnam veteran and directly exposed to Agent Orange. He actually dumped it out of his helicopter. So that was part of his job other than rescuing other veterans. And so his job was really traumatic. And I, I, I was born with a lot of issues. Like my leg wasn't growing when I was born. I had to go through all kinds of therapy. And then it really, we found out later that a lot of it was like to Agent Orange. And so I was medicated really early as a kid. And being a musician, I, you know, that was my first job. I was around a lot of people that were super open about cannabis. And so people told me like, you know, instead of taking the pills at night, why don't you just, you know, smoke, you know, a couple hits off a joint. And, you know, my parents were really conservative Christians. And how, and, and how, 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 this is, I like the Christianity part of this too, <laughs> but how old were yeah. you when you were, when you were exposed and when you were, and what did first you think before? Exposed, yeah. And how old um, were you? Yeah. But definitely marijuana was considered a, and I hate saying the word marijuana, but, but back then, you know, marijuana was considered like the gateway drug, the bad boy, probably the worst one, you know, we didn't have access to other drugs around here. And so um, cannabis was definitely considered a no-no. And I was 12. I was 12 when I first was exposed to cannabis and it really helped me sleep. Um, but can but we back up just a little? Just that, so yeah. just like the trade-off, let's say, so you're 12, but what other medications were you taking at 12? Just so there's people like to see the trade-off. Yeah, sure. I was taking antidepressants and antipsychotic. I was taking two neurological medications. One was an anti-seizure medication and neurological for my neuropathy. I was on, I started on Ritalin and then they transferred me over to Adderall. I was taking three supplements to help with the side effects of the medication. And I was on Valium. You were 12. Uh, Between 12 and 14 is when all those medications came into play. Wow. And what year was this? Just, uh, just you're young. 1994, <laughs> I believe. 94. You're like of that generation. Uh, yeah. My, my yeah, I'm a generation of the pills for sure. I was daring the pills. My son would literally not take medication. Like when he was two, he would spit the penicillin back at me and he got so sick once that we had to take him to the hospital. So medications mm-hmm. were totally off the table and he's a musician like mm-hmm. you are. And I believe the music is what helped him be whole. I guess that's how I put it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And it really stunted my creativity. I was an incredible songwriter until I was medicated. And then I lost my creative juices and I was composing and I was playing multiple instruments. And as the medications increased, my creativity decreased. And so as soon as I got to college, I tried to dump all of the medications. But of course, I had massive withdrawals. I had a psychotic break. I had to be hospitalized. And I just kept fighting with my family like the cannabis is the only thing that's helping me but we need to find good stuff. Like, can we not source it? And my parents, it was totally off the table with my parents. I mean, I, I went to a Christian college, Baylor university. Like there was no way that I was going to be able to openly or even privately use cannabis without being in a lot of trouble. And so I got back on medication again, first marriage, and I went through a terribly abusive uh, relationship. So more PTSD tapped on, onto that. And then it, it started creating seizures. And so I finally in 2012 had a massive seizure that gave me a traumatic brain injury. I was hospitalized for a long time and, and, and lost an entire year of memory. 
And that was when we first found out about Charlotte Figgy. And my husband was like, I know you know people in Colorado. We should order the CBD. You don't get high. Um, people won't know that you're using it. It'll be a little bit more private. Let's get some. And we sent it to Texas and we bought it in bulk. And it was within six weeks, I was starting to see miraculous results, miraculous and, and things that I hadn't necessarily seen with just pure THC. And so I immediately put my entire brain onto researching CBD. I started reading clinical studies and buying books and going to every seminar I could find. I would go fly out of state for it. And my parents were like, you know, we know you're OCD and we know you have obsessive issues, but like, this is a little crazy. And I was like, I don't think you guys understand. I've never, I feel like myself before seventh grade. Like, I feel like I'm a, a sixth grader again, but like mentally <laughs> 35, you know? And I was like, I've got to tell everybody about this, you guys. Like, I don't think you understand. I've never felt like myself. Like my personality's back. My creativity is back. I feel great. I'm not stressed. I'm sleeping. I'm a better mom. And my husband's like, I really think we've got something here. And he goes, and I think you're the right person to talk about it. You I know, think he was right. In, I think, yeah, he I was mean, just, right. I mean, he so this is, so that's kind of, so this is, Okay, so this is the story that I hear. This is a very kind of bigger story. So what was your dosing? How did you know what to take? What were, You were on a lot of medications since you were a young child with a family that was opposed to it. So I'm always curious about this. How did you figure out what the dose was? Were you taking it in sure. tinctures? Were you, making, were you creating edibles for yourself? How did you? Yeah. And, and I hear people do the one pill at a time thing, but this is a lot of medication. Mm -hmm. So how did you, can you explain sort of step, yeah. little steps, how you figured this out? So initially after I had the massive seizure, they put me on a detox. And so I was actually not taking any medications while I was in the hospital. And then when we went into physical therapy, they wanted to reintroduce me to a, like a few new doctors. So I didn't feel like I was being taken care of. And we said, you know, we're going to go the holistic route. And they go, well, we really, really need you to get back on these medications. And I was like, I've been off of them for four and a half weeks. I don't think that I'm going back on. And when my husband and I just made a pact with each other, we're not going to introduce prescription pills into our family into our home unless we're dying. There's no possible way that like, even, you know, you get a sinus infection, antibiotics and a steroid. Like I was so medicated for every reason. I was constantly getting sick. And as a singer, that was also really bad for me. And, and I had like a lot of scopes down my throat going like this Adderall is drying you out. These, all of these pills that they're giving you are destroying your vocal folds. And I thought, you know what? I've seen such great results with my homeopath friends. I think I'm just going to go the homeopath route. And I hired a different doctor. I went in the therapy route and it was really the best thing ever. And we never looked back. We, we've probably not taken prescription drugs in eight years. Well, that's, so I've not heard that story before. That's amazing. So going into the hospital, actually ending your medications, because that's hardcore. That'd be hard to do if you weren't in a severe kind of... Mm. Well, I was in a coma. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have so to go, you gotta be pretty severe. So this is such a hard thing to do, but you had a hardcore reset, basically. I really did. I really did. I was in a really bad place too. And if it wasn't for having a daughter, I think I probably would have tried to commit suicide again. Honestly, I was, I just felt completely lost. I didn't even know where I was anymore. So it was six weeks of really, really intense changes. And then when we got the CBD, it was like everything kind of streamlined. And when in, in terms of dosing, you know, I, because I wasn't on any medication, I didn't worry about interactions, but I did have to be really careful of being, going slow with, with the CBD oil even because I am so sensitive. So even because I was on so many medications, I was on really low doses of everything because my body reacts very terribly. Like I've been vaccine injured twice. I really can't have anything in my body in larger doses. Even opiates will like a small Percocet will knock me out for two days. 
Well, and so can I bring this back to your dad and the, you know, we talk yeah. about generational trauma. We talk about generational issues that, you know, are appearing in, you know, all our children. And so you're a product of this. So is this something you are a product of this? And is this a support? Are you finding people like this that you're helping? Is this one of the communities you're trying to talk to? Because you understand this? Yes, absolutely. So the first thing that I ever did when I got into cannabis was to support my dad's veteran friends. We, you know, we support the 22 group being that I've tried to commit suicide three times. My parents really wanted me to talk to people that were exposed to Agent Orange as well, because it was really interesting once I found out that so many other kids that were born of Vietnam veterans were suffering from the same thing as me. And one of the first girls I ever worked with had spina bifida. And I go, did your dad happen to be in Vietnam? She was like, yeah, why? And I'm like, you have all the issues that I do, except you have spina bifida and I have scoliosis. I was like, have you ever thought about CBD? And she was like, yeah, I'm actually going to move to California because they are saying that that's probably the best thing for me. And I was like, you know, we really need to work together. If you ever come back to Texas, like let's help veterans together because you and my dad both have suffered their entire lives. The VA is not supporting them in the way that they need. And he comes home every time from a doctor's appointment with more pills and we just throw them in the trash. We're not going to do it. Like, and, and the after effects are going generation to generation. And now they're saying that it's going to four generations of the agent orange exposure because it attaches to the DNA and we all have the same issues, you know, fibromyalgia. I've never been diagnosed with that, but like I've had all over body pain. I've had gastrointestinal issues. I've had, you know, massive mental issues and focus and sleep issue. I mean, it was like every single thing you could possibly have wrong with you. I probably had a little bit of it. And it was really, really indicative of being an agent orange child. And my dad is a different man because of it. I mean, he's been almost in isolation for six years because his PTSD has gotten really bad since he's retired. And we might got my dad back. He was just in the pool with my nephews and nieces doing cannon bombs in the pool. And we're like, our dad is back. This is so fantastic. And he's like, you know, he used to take full spectrum. Now he really likes broad spectrum. He feels like the THC kind of sometimes throws him off a little bit. And then we do a lot of topicals and, and that's what's working for him. And, and of course our dog's on it. <laughs> My cat's on it. So again, so this is kind of comes back to this whole story of just sharing these narratives, sharing the narratives, just the old narratives are crumbling. Like they're literally crumbling under our for feet. Sure. And as people become whole I guess that's what it is I mean our bodies have been really damaged by so many of these things but our spirits I don't know how I don't know how you kept your spirit up somehow it kept alive and your mind is obviously good so we have found this plant I used another medicinal product from mushrooms and uh, that helps release a lot of trauma I worked with a shaman and that was I think that was my where I got my magic back CBD helped me so far and cannabis took me the next level and then and then we went into an actual treatment center and, and that opened up a whole new world to me as well. But that was actually before CBD. <laughs> and, it, and it is this healing. I mean, this is off topic a little bit, but I am just talking about our healthcare system. You know, the resources we're putting into our medical system, it's very insurance expensive. Doctors are expensive and 10% of our health, maybe 15% of our health is by our doctors. This is really holistic, like where you live, what you're eating and all of these other things that we are sort of trying to, this industry is trying to take ownership of. I just find this very transformative. It feels hopeful, you know, kind of looking forward because you can, I can see generations of women who are alive now and I can see how they've healed and it's all over. So why, why can't we heal more people? That seems to be your mission. All right. So I know I, and I, and it's beautiful to see these women start changing and transforming over the years. I've worked with some women for like eight years now and their whole lives have changed. And now they're 
you know, living their best dreams and having, you know, freedom. And it's just, it's so beautiful. And I'm here for the long haul. I'm not going anywhere. I, I want to see this whole world be transformed by this plant. But it's this whole idea that this generational trauma at some point, it, it has to stop. This is hopefully where it's stopping. All right. I just, I oh, mine's into- definitely stopping with me. <laughs> oh yeah, I can see it. You are definitely stopping it. All right. So let's get to Green Compass. Yeah. In- Indie Hemp Company. This is your business part. Yeah. You know, she's not just an amazing spokesperson for this because she's healed herself. She's in the industry and understands the very hard business part of this, bookkeeping, banking. It's illegal in Texas. All so that's it. another issue. So um, mm-hmm. <laughs> tell us about what you're doing and how you're getting your sure. products to people and what people are obviously mm-hmm. at a CBD. You're at a wedding and a wedding expo and people <laughs> want to talk about CBD. So this is obviously very popular. Yeah. When I was first jumping into the CBD route, I thought I really knew a lot about cannabis and I had grown some, but I realized that the medical part of it was where I, I really understood and, sh- and, and shined. And uh, so I got certified. I've gone through eight different cannabis certifications. I've done seminars and typically they're only reserved for medical professionals, but most of the co- companies that I've worked with have said, you know, if you can get through the, you know, hard study and, and, and pass the test, then you can be certified. You just won't get any, you know, continuing education units. And so I went that route first. And then I realized that there was a really, really big gap between medical and the understanding of cannabis. And so there needed to be somebody in the middle to, to be able to take the load off the doctors and then be able to talk with the clients and be a good guide someone who will listen, someone who will go through their medical history, someone who will go through their nutrition and their trauma and so many other things. And the doctors aren't going to take time for that. Even some therapists don't take the time. And so I was like, that's, I think, where my point of of entry would be. And so I started training doctors on CBD. I would do lunch and learns. I would bring in products. I would sit down and teach them about the endocannabinoid system. And that's where I created Indie Hemp Company as an educational consultancy to partner with medical practitioners. And now we've expanded to 32 facilities that we partner with. So I do mainly education. I get a ton of referrals from hospitals and doctors and therapists and naturopaths. And they basically just allow me to be their cannabis expert. I also go on site to medical facilities. When COVID hit, unfortunately, they wouldn't allow us because it wasn't considered um, essential here at all. And so I was shut down for four months. And that's where I kind of fell back into Green Compass, that it allows me to produce a CBD product to people at an e-commerce level. And because Texas was illegal, I wasn't able to do the level of e-commerce and product development that I wanted to. And so it was really important to me to be part of a company that already had that and handled. And they had been part of the pilot program in North Carolina in 2014. And so they had already had their banking relationships. They already had their e-commerce. Everything was already solidified and we didn't see any issues because I had been with a couple startups and they'd totally fallen apart because of regulation, because we couldn't bank here. We were doing overseas and, and UK, we've had two companies now like hold our money in the UK and never give it to us. So to, ha- to have a company that already had their stuff together and was showing a really good level of growth, I wanted to be a part of that ground floor opportunity. And so any hemp company utilizes Green Compass products, but we also Um, refer to cannabis doctors now. We have a few in Houston that work with the Texas Compassionate Use Program. And so what I'll do is I'll usually take somebody like, for instance, with Parkinson's or epilepsy or something like that. And I'll say, you know, you can take CBD and you can do the ratios, or you can also get expanded use with THC for through the Austin 
dispensaries. And unfortunately, it's not a great program and it's very difficult on the families, but at least it gives some people a light of hope. And so that's kind of like the full way, the full scope. But the really good thing about Green Compass is I help other people learn how to be CBD providers as well and how to educate. And they're mostly moms. They're mostly, you know, stay-at-home moms, teachers, different types of entrepreneurs. And my job is to educate them. So I'm a national field trainer and I help them provide correct information because unfortunately we do see the CBD industry blowing up and a lot of misinformation is sent out there. Like I had a guy yesterday that saw a post I put on, on Instagram and he goes, well, hemp is the male plant. And I'm like, no, it's not. I don't know who told you that. He was like, well, the hemp plant is male and the cannabis plant is female. I'm like, they're totally different subspecies. You know that, right? And so I explained it to him. He was like, oh, that makes sense. And he deleted all his comments. But I'm like, he said that he was a user for 30 years and a grower. And I'm like, what? So you're, I, I was like, I don't see how that's possible. He's probably just a low-life drug dealer or something. But I mean, um, I will listen, I'm growing for the first time this year. And I'm like, how will I know if I have boy plants? You know, they look totally different. They I totally look different. Right. Yeah, you'll start seeing those, yeah. their little balls show up. But I was explaining like only females produce the, the cannabinoids. And they were like, that doesn't make sense. So it's there's just so much, even in misinformation in the OG cannabis community. I've been on clubhouses before where I've heard growers from California talk about things that are completely untrue about, you know, we hear this fight between THC and CBD all the time, when really they should be beautifully paired together. They're mm-hmm. all very important. And all of these minor cannabinoids and the uh, varins and acidic compounds, these are things that are really being looked into because they all have their own medical applications. And so I love that when something new comes to the market, I study it really hard and I want to find out how it can be used and why dosing recommendations, things like that. But we all know it depends on your body and your chemical makeup. And so it's all experimental. And so I just, you know, want to impart on people, do the work, do the experimentation, give it time. It's not going to be overnight, but it can be the best thing that you've ever experienced for your entire and that's health. So and hopeful, health. But this is also so helpful. The side that you know, doctors don't understand how to, this works. They don't have dosing. I'm always, amazed by all of the women I speak to who are continually have just used their own bodies as guinea pigs without a guide. So I am starting to meet women. Even like last week, I had Penelope Hamilton from New York on talking about becoming the woman she needed. So you're literally becoming the woman that you needed. So you're going out, you're training the people how you use this. And then people like me, people like anyone who's a sick relative or anyone can come to you and get good advice on how to start this. And how do you explain to the person how to keep it's very different medicine. It's like how you it become is. very conscious of your own experience mm-hmm. in your own body. So that's a whole other yeah. way of hearing. And um, I think that was part of the prohibition. When you look back, they were just compounding aspirin. And so pharmacology was coming out. And, you know, how do you dose a cannabis tincture? Well, they really didn't know back then. And they really didn't know how to like check the milligrams because there were no lab tests. So how do you know, like from one grow to the next, how much milligrams of anything is going to be in there? And so I think that that's, a, I mean, that's a true concern for medical professionals and pharmacists, but there, it could have been, if it wasn't prohibited, it could have been looked into, right? We could have figured out how to not do it synthetically, but be able to dose it accurately. And I think we probably could have done that in the 40s or 50s, but it was wiped off the table. So unfortunately, now we're coming back into it and learning that there could be in in the future DNA tests to actually look at the endocannabinoid receptors and see how they're reacting, look at toxin levels, but there's too many factors. You can't really just give a one dose fits all for anything. Right. Even in clinical studies, we'll say like 600 milligrams from psychosis. And I'm like, 
I don't even know. I mean, nobody's going to drink an entire bottle a day. So while I understand that these are clinical settings, so, so it's experimentation and I try to provide as many resources. I make booklets and I do a ton on social media just to educate and inform constantly and answer questions. I do a lot of it for free because I just feel like this is an open market. We, it's almost like open source and it is, <laughs> like programming. Like- it, we should share it because it's, it's important to the industry. Right. Cause it's not going to, it's going to hurt us if we're completely always competing with each other because whatever. Absolutely. All right. So let's go talk about Texas. You're a state that has a very different belief on a lot of different things. And you're working (laughs) with lots of different politicians because I do believe this is the Venn diagram of politics. Everybody has health and wellness and Republicans Mm -hmm. and Democrats and independents and non-voters. This is all about health. So, and I like that I talked to some, there's Christianity and cannabis now talking about it. Like it's not anymore. This is something once you Mm -hmm. experience how it, what it really is, you are going to go out and talk about it. So that's where you are. So let's just talk about Absolutely. Texas. I know that it's had an issue with Delta 8. Your legislature mm-hmm. is only open like five months of the year. And you have a lot of other things. So what's going on and where are you? Yeah. Who are you talking to? Yeah. So I do have several politicians that are senators that have been using my product. And I think it's changing their minds. So that's the first step is to get them their hands, you know, products on, on hands in their Products in their hands. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had to like take a pause there. And I think Delta A was a huge concern because obviously people flew that under the radar. And we all know that. Like, I think we can all accept that was like a pretty good ploy. While I don't think that it's dangerous, I think that who's getting into it is dangerous. We see a lot of synthetics, a lot of toxins, a lot of bad grows using Delta A to obviously see like just really dirty ingredients, coloring and things like that. And I worry about moms getting a hold of it and saying, oh, I can use this for my daughter because because Delta nine is not, you know, legal, but I can use Delta eight. And it's like, but do you know what's in that product? And I, so I, I understand the concerns of Texas in this, and I understand why they're pulling it because there's really no way to say that that is actually 50 milligrams in that gummy. And the testing facilities in Texas are not up and running. We only have one lab. And so we just don't have the infrastructure to support it. And while I want to get legalization happen as soon as possible, if we don't have the infrastructure to handle it, it's not safe. And safety is my number one concern. And that's why I partner with the companies that I do because I, they're organic. I know the ingredients, they do third-party labs are tested seven times. They're on the registrar for USDA. Like these are really important things to look for in a product. And when you have CBD shops popping everywhere with a psycho- psychotropic product, it can get really hairy really fast. And I share a personal story of a friend who texted me and she was like, oh my God, I went to this spa and they had Delta 8 and I took a whole gummy and you know me, like I love my Delta 9. So she was like, oh, take a whole one if you're a regular user. Big mistake, you know, compounds will hit you differently. And while Delta 8 is maybe less cerebral, she had a massive body high for six hours and had to go pick up her kids. And she ran into a stop sign not, I mean, this is not a joke. And and she texted me crying, you know, she called me crying and, and was texting me all night saying like, I'm a bad mom. And I'm like, listen, you didn't know how this compound was going to hit you. You had it in edible form. It's a little bit different than smoking it. Um, don't feel bad. Like you're bad. And she was like, I ran into a stop sign. And I'm like, and that's why we need to tell other people, like, you have to be careful about the cannabis products you use. You have to know, plan out your day. And edibles can last six hours. They for sure can. That's why I don't usually use them. But uh, but in terms of our legislator, yeah, we are, we are open a, a limited amount of time. That we only have a very small window to get these bills passed. And 
and, and normal's doing a really good job here. Let me just say that we have amazing attorneys and, and activists that are really educating in a really great way. But it, I think it comes down to more people educated are going to change the minds of the politicians. If we see more masses of people saying like, we need this versus just these small pockets of activists saying my child has epilepsy or my child has, you know, severe disorders or cancer, let's say they, they don't see that in the masses needed until now we noticed that we had a major opiate um, um, addiction issue here too. And so I think that we're starting to see that come back around. Now, the fact that we went from 0.5 to 1% is a good stretch. We weren't able to, to keep chronic uh, pain on the bill, but we did expand it to all forms of cancer, which is really good. It used to just be terminal and we did see it expanded about five more disorders. I, it needs to be better. It needs to be better. And I really wish I was a lawyer because I would go straight to the Capitol and knock down every single door and talk to them. But it's important for people like me that are professionals, that are conservative professionals. I mean, I, people always ask me like, how are you conservative and, and, and for cannabis? I'm like, well, I believe in, you know, I'm very middle of the road, but I think that more conservatives need to hear this. A lot I of too. moms are not being um, educated in the right way. And we don't want the necessarily stoner community be doing that education unless they're going to come into a professional manner, like all of these marches that I go to and events, like it's really, really pushing like that Bob Marley stoner mentality. And that's not what the masses need to see. They need to see moms like me. They need to see people that are using cannabis that are living productive lives to be able to take away that stigma. And so we really need a good blend, right? I'm a hippie at heart for sure. I love all of the plant medicines, but I think that when you're in front of a politician, you have to come looking professional. They're going to judge you right away a hundred percent times more than anybody else, especially when you're like, hi, I'm a cannabis advocate. Absolutely. I'm a cannabis you know, activists, and they're going to be like, almost trying to shut you down immediately. And thankfully, my parents were in uh, the political society. And so I was able to get in front of a lot of big people, but I'm breaking down the walls. And, and I won't allow people to say like, Oh, well, you know, you'll get high or it's addictive. Good. And I'm like, these are things that are you've been lied to. And let right. me tell you why. Yes. So, so it's happening. Yeah, you know um, that, I, it's so, I mean, you could, you should run for office. That's what you should be doing, but that's another discussion, my I, dear. That's, that's eventually <laughs> going to happen. I've thought about it, but I'm like, I also want to like live the RV life and travel the world. So. <laughs> All right. Well, if you ever want to run, I'll talk to you about that. All right. Um, that's okay. great. Marley's let's, we're just going to take a quick break right now. Back with my guest, Marley's Ledbetter after we talk. Cannabis accounting with Jillian Johnson. Yes, cannabis accounting, it's a thing. And if you're a small business planning on growing, you need clarity in your bookkeeping. At Simply J Bookkeeping and Consulting, their unique approach to servicing their clients is going to help you. Simply J's founder, Jillian Johnson, had a vision for a one stop shop for bookkeeping, accounting, compliance, and managerial services for small to medium sized businesses that welcomed holistic organizations, including cannabis. And she's manifested that vision into reality because that is what women in cannabis do. So here to talk a little bit about cannabis accounting, Jillian Johnson, welcome, my friend. Hello, everybody. So I always talk about how complicated the banking situation is and bookkeeping is accounting and it's all connected. So I don't know, maybe just give us a little pitch about what you're doing and how it's important and how Thank you. Yes, absolutely. So I'm going to take a, a really simplified approach to what we're really seeing, which is lack of visibility and lack of proper documentation. And, you know, we have all these um, lovely organizations that some of them have been in the illicit market and they're coming into the real, uh, real life market here and there aren't books and there aren't records 
and things aren't reconciled and there's no tax return. So I can't emphasize enough about, you know, streamlining processes, having proper documentation. And we've defined a a nice little Clarity 101 wellness checklist. Mm -hmm. That's a nice little freebie for everybody. If anyone wants to uh, email us at info.simplyj at gmail.com, we'd happily share this knowledge with everyone. But there's a couple of tidbits that I want to cover. And one at the very least is, you know, who are your customers? Who are your vendors? What portals are you using? What applications are you using, if any? List those out. How are you managing those logins, those user IDs? You know, consolidate those because your support staff, your employees, your independent contractors, bookkeepers, accountants, CPAs, tax preparers. All the boring people in cannabis, the people you need. (laughs) The people you need, the the quieter behind the scene, which I am not quiet, but those people behind the scenes that need this information. And yes, it is boring, but we need a central repository for it. So, and you need security around it. So, you know, we promote Dashlane, there's LastPass, there's Keeper, or you can even use a repository, even your Outlook, your Google, your HubSpots, your CRM systems, if, if you have them, you know, consolidate all that contact information. The other thing, as I mentioned, was the repository, you know, storing your documents, receipts, you know, there's a lot of paper in cannabis, and we know 280E, oh, 280E. Oh, people, if you don't know about 280E, when I mention this to non-cannabis people, they actually think I'm making it up. I just, <laughs> I'm like, this is a real thing. They make it as hard as possible to make money, but people, they persist. They, and you know, <laughs> exactly. They don't realize, hey. You can't not, you cannot deduct anything that's not in cost of goods sold. Boom, mic drop. That's, that could be 40% tax liability. 40% of your revenue is taxable. So again, you know, having a process to where are all those bills going? Where are all those receipts going? And there are tools that are out there that you can utilize. Hot docs. QuickBooks scan where you can scan your receipts and your bills to centrally send those to a repository, agreements, contracts, DocuSign, OneDrive, Dropbox, SharePoint, you know, there are things that are out there that you can utilize to store. And I know this stuff is boring, but necessary. It's necessary because in the end, it's tax dollars. If you don't have clean records, clean centralized records, you're in trouble. And you're not going to get to deduct all those deductions that you have and your the ability to do so. So I can't stress enough. And you know, simply just organizing with a, a simple format, a format, you know, year, month, date, by vendor name, you know, utilizing that kind of organizational skills. And so Jilly, can I ask you one question? Like when you're seeing what size businesses are you seeing coming to you? Is this your like, you know, holistic businesses? Are these, are people coming to you really like starting up? Are you coming to people who have sort of been in the process for a while and their records need organizing? Organizing, So that's part of your process. What, who are you seeing coming to you? Right. Target. My, yeah. our target client is, you know, there are, we do have, st- we do uh, work with startups and small businesses and we provide, you know, the simple bookkeeping skills and this definitely applies to them, but there are much bigger, our target markets, the 1 million to 10 million revenue stream. And let me tell you, they are just, they have just as poor records as those small startups. 
And that's so stressful. That's what I keep saying. Like simplifying it will make your life easier. So if you're a small cannabis business or medium cannabis business, and you are having these sort of financial issues, you think you can cover it yourself. You can't do everything yourself. And if you simplify your finances, you will feel more powerful. And I say that to women specifically, you will feel more powerful if you feel like you have control over your money. So Jillian's here for you. Jillian, how do they reach you? It'll be in the show notes if they want to connect with you. How do they reach you? Yes, info.simplyj at gmail.com. Again, info.simplyj at gmail.com. My team uh, monitors that email address. Again, we're happy to send our checklist to you, which covers a lot of this information. And naturally, we'd love to book a a meeting, even just a 15-minute coffee, tea meeting, just to give you some education, because that's what it's all about. And you're here in the East Coast, but are you taking clients all over? We are. We're in national. We have cannabis clients in Washington, Oregon. We're so blessed. So please reach out. We're we're here to serve. That's our mission. It is literally, that is literally our mission here to serve. So thank you, Jillian, for joining us today. She'll be back in a couple more weeks. If you have any questions, get them to me and I'll get them answered. Thanks, everybody. You're welcome, Jillian. We are back with our guest, Marley's Ledbetter. I guess the last question, you're you're out there in the world. So what are you looking forward to for your 2021, 2022? Where are you going? What are the things you're going to change? Well, I definitely <laughs> want to get in front of a lot more moms. I think oh, working with children, working <laughs> with children, especially my daughter suffers from pretty severe anxiety and ADHD and, and we haven't had her formally diagnosed, but like I've been through it all. So I, I'm pretty sure we know and seeing how even her story has changed the stigma with moms. So I want to get more moms acquainted to that. And then also we've just seen now the research is final. Cannabis is safe for breastfeeding and pregnant moms. Oh, really? And so I'd like to change. Yay. Yes. Um, so now we've had what, how many 30 years of research showing that unless you're chronically smoking and, and that can, you know, obviously cause low birth weight, but there's no other issues. So there's so many different clinical studies happening all over the country for private institutions. And um, now they've shown that all of the children that are born um, with moderate use of cannabis have no cognitive delays. And so I want to get that out there. I want to work with doulas. I want to work with OBGYN. I want to make sure that women can have really comfortable pregnancies and give their children even stronger endocannabinoids through their colostrum and their breast milk. We could see the change happening in the next generation for healthy babies that are plant-based. And then also working with getting people a little bit more understanding about putting the toxins in their bodies with medications, but also just their health in general. And I think that with what happened in the pandemic, people are a little bit more aware of now how they're taking care of themselves. Because, you know, if you have a healthy body, you can kind of fight anything. So exactly. and, moms, um, and moms take care of the world. Literally, they and we sure do. do. And, they and take we, care of the world. And we do it for free. So make us feel good. We should feel good. <laughs> Yeah, more moms that are happy, (laughs) making happy kids. I always meet like kids that are jerks in the neighborhood. I'm like, well, their parents are probably not very nice. So I'm like, they need some CBD. And and having those conversations one-on-one, we need more mass advocates. We need more people like myself that are integrated in the community that can have healthy conversations with people that are going to help change the stigma. I think the more people that understand it, the more people will fight for it. I agree with you. My sisters in Canna Care, here they are. All right. So for my guest, Marley's Ledbetter, how do they find you? How do they get in touch with you? How do the products you're selling? Absolutely. 
Yeah. So if you visit my website, it's indiehempco, I-N-D-I-E-H-E-M-P-C-O.com. That is my medical consultancy. And then you can find me on Instagram, Facebook as the Cannaboss Marlies. So if you find me, I do a lot of my education. I'm not TikToking. I do the reels. I do the reels. I've been kicked off TikTok three times now for um, using the wrong hashtags. I've been talking about cannabis education. Unfortunately, they don't like that. It's banned on TikTok, but they haven't said anything about reels yet. So I've been doing different reels steps, you know, CBD tips you didn't know, like putting it in your belly button or putting it on your tampon and things like that. And and so people well, that's are a really- good one. I That's think hysterical. It is. Oh. It works. <laughs> It works. And you know who figured that out? Queen Elizabeth herself. She used to dip a rag in cannabis oil and insert it during her red tent moments. And, and it works. And I've told all of the kids like, Hey, you can come get a little sample jar of some natural CBD, put on your tampon, your, your, I mean, it's, it reduces pain by like 80%. It's fantastic. So, that, that, that tip alone was worth listening to the show. So, and don't forget to- <laughs> the belly button. The belly button is um, the gateway to all of your um, organs. So if you're having cramps or stomach issues, even if you just have an upset stomach, stick the CBD oil in your tummy and rub it around and it activates the chody, which is 72,000 capillaries. So these fun tips are things that I think people just don't know. And, and there's more options to cannabis than just ingesting it or smoking it. We've got a, a, a multitude of ways that our body responds to it. Because as we know, it was made for it. It was made for my goodness. That is a lot of tips. So thank you so much. Lovely talking to you, Do. I'm, I'm glad we thank finally you, got connected. I want to Absolutely. thank my, my cannabro, David Yaz. We didn't even make fun of you today, David. I know. I got off easy. <laughs> good week. It's a good week. All right. yep. I want to thank our Cannamom show team. Catherine and Hayden, another great job this week. I want to thank Josh Lampkin and Bella Jaffe for writing and performing the Cannamom theme music. But most importantly, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Cannamom show, where we are talking about caring for and giving voice to women in the emerging cannabis industry, one can a story at a time. Please follow the Cannamom show on social media and subscribe anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. And tune into Clubhouse on Wednesdays at 4 Eastern time to join me and three other Cannamoms illuminating the way. We're starting that soon. We'll see how that goes. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is the Cannamom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? Then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humston. Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows, maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.